Hi, welcome to Sonic Serial. I'm Mark. And I'm Jesse. And welcome to episode 5 of season 2. In this podcast, we take a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track. And today we're continuing with Marie Antoinette, the original motion picture soundtrack, Disc 2 which was produced by Brian Reitzel and recorded in 2006. And today we are covering tracks 8 through 14, which include more songs by Bow Wow Wow, FX Twin, The Cure, and, and, and others. Yeah. And this concludes the Marie Antoinette soundtrack, and it concludes our coverage of the soundtrack. Yeah. All right, let's start off with track 8. Fools Rush In by Bow Wow Wow, the Kevin Shields remix. So this is another cover from Bow Wow Wow, just like I Want Candy. And it was produced by Malcolm McLaren. The original song was written by Johnny Mercer and it was first performed by Tony Martin in 1940. And this comes from Bawaro's debut album called Your Cassette Pet, uh, which was in a mini cassette format. Do you remember this? Yeah, I still have some. You would. Um, and this was also remixed by Kevin Shields. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, um, so how th- this is how is this used in the film? It kind of comes in at a kind of a a fun yeah a fun time in the movie right before it gets bad. Uh, she just she just came back from the party, the mask ball, and so now she's going home on her carriage, and she's just looking out the window and she looks like really smitten because she just met Count von Fersen. Yeah, I feel like she's now been in the palace or in Versailles for a while, and she was probably feeling really, like, imprisoned. Loosey-goosey. Yeah. That, too. (laughs) Um, And she finally got to get out and, like, be around people and have fun, like somebody her age, you know, should probably be doing. Um, Right. Yeah. So as far as production goes, it has a pretty dreamy, surfy guitar with this underlying fast-paced percussion. And I feel like uh, Annabella, when singing here, is quite whimsical and a little over the top. I feel like that was her vibe. She was like part punk, part like... Show tunes. (laughs) That's not a bad way to put it. So the B side of this Shatoons song. Shatoons punk. Shatoons punk. Wow. I would. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. The side B to this is a song called "Sex," which is an instrumental, and it's a fun techno surfy song. It has Burundi drums. That... Yeah. Yeah, it feels better on the table. Sorry. All right. Okay. What about song meaning? What does this song mean? And to who? What I does think, it mean to you? I think it's just about when you f- fall in love, um, it kind of goes to your head <clears throat> and it overrides your, your logical decisions because they say that high levels of dopamine and related Hormones like norepinephrine are released during attraction, so kind of similar to chemicals and like hallucin, no, like yeah. like drugs. <laughs> so yeah, just love doesn't make you think straight, and I think that's what this song is about. I think she's. I think it's saying something like, um, if you're smart, if you think about it too much. Like, love will never make sense. Yeah. But if 
so in order to fall in love, you sort of have to like be dumb. <laughs> you can't think about it too much. You can't yeah. be smart about it. So only dumb people fall in love. I think that's a lot more true than than you would think from just hearing it. <laughs> what were you saying? Fools rush in where angels fear to tread is from um, Alexander Pope's ninth seventeen oh nine poem, an essay on criticism. And um, that line, or the shortened version of "just fools rush in." Um, became an idiom describing people who act before thinking. Impulsive people. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> or passionate people. Passionate people. You sure muffin? <laughs> what about covers for this song? Well, this song has been covered by many artists, such as Joe Stafford, <laughs> Julie London. Just give it a beat. Joe Stafford, Julie London, Anna James, Leslie Gore, Dean Martin, Elvis Presley, Rosemary Clooney, and more. She and him, Nora Jones, Disclosure. Doris Day, and Doris Day recorded it as a duet with Andre Previn for their 1962 album, Duet. Do you have a favorite from all of these luminaries? I actually haven't listened to any of them. Oh, God. Okay, who's your favorite um, artist from these? I guess I would say Etta James. Why is that? Nice gowns, pretty dresses, beautiful gowns. <laughs> uh, she has a pretty name. So, that was good. Um, Are we done? How about live performances? Well, there's a recording from 1980 for the John Peel sessions. Let's take a listen. That was funny. Okay. <laughs> what about trivia for full version? <laughs> well, this just so happens to be the name of a movie starring Matthew Perry, who. Um, Interesting trivia about that movie <laughs> is that um it's not funny. <laughs> Wait, that's not funny. No, that it's oh. not funny that he credits the jet jet ski accident that he had on set with the thing that fueled his drug addiction that ultimately, you know, yeah, took him that's from us. That's horrible. So Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> How about she's? How about her? She was actually offered the role of Isabel Fuentes on the movie *Fools Rush In*, but she turned it down in favor of Anaconda. Um, <laughs> Isabel Fuentes, the, the role ended up going to Salma Hayek, which <clears throat> I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Salma Hayek. Like there's so many tangents going on. <laughs> okay, the title of the film comes from the opening lyrics um, to Elvis Presley's song, Can't Help Falling in Love. And those lyrics are... Wise men say, only fools Russian. Wise men say... Thank you. No, because we're going to play. We'll have played them. All right. We are on track nine, April 14th by FX Twin.
Yeah, this is another track from his half-experimental, half-classical... Or half-experimental classical and half-electronic album tracks. <laughs> tracks. And this is his most played song on, on Spotify. For me, I, <clears throat> I always liked classical music and I always liked electronic music. But I felt like when people tried to blend them... Before it sounded cheesy, yeah, you know, like like a bad electronic version of a classical song or a bad classical version of an electronic song, and I felt like this was the first time I'd heard something that really brought those two things together that mm-hmm. that felt like not cheesy and not like it it just was like the perfect blend of these two genres that I liked, yeah, so I can see why it was popular. Well, how's it used in the film? <laughs> it plays as, as she is walking in the garden and she's looking kind of conflicted or melancholy. Why is she feeling that way? What part of the movie is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's, uh, you know, same old trauma with her. She, <laughs> she doesn't. She's not really attracted to her husband, I guess, or just sexless relationship. And then, yeah, she might be in love with another guy. Yeah, looking conflicted. <laughs> Um, as far as production goes, yeah, most of Richard D. James's music, who is also Aphex Twin, who is known as Aphex Twin, um, most of his music is electronic, but Avril 14th is a piano composition, and it was recorded using an instrument called a disclavier which is a piano with the mechanism that reads like MIDI data and it plays the keyboard without any human input. They usually have them at like piano stores. Yeah. It's like an electronic version of the old Western. Oh, and maybe that's what they used in the show Westworld. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that one wouldn't have had MIDI, but but the original... (laughs) Oh, yeah, because it's like a music box. Yeah. Um, If you listen to the recording carefully, you'll hear kind of the clicking mechanism of the disclopier as it's like clicking the piano keys. When you listen carefully to the recording of this podcast, you'll hear some chewing (laughs) and drinking and clanking. It's a really good muffin. I know you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> what about song meaning? Um, it is said to have. It's said to mean April fourteenth. Isn't that actual the translation? <laughs> <laughs> it is. What language though? <laughs> is that French? <laughs> Somebody's like. How do you say table in Spanish? You're like, it says to mean. <laughs> That's all right. All right, yes. The, um, there's, as far as live performance, there's a recording of Apex Dream playing live in Livorno. French. <laughs> As far as remixes and covers, um, it was sampled by Lonely Island for the SNL short Iron Iran so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, then by Kanye West for his song Blame Game from his 2010 album by My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. On the bathroom wall, I wrote, I'd rather argue with you than to be with someone else. <laughs> Apparently, Aphex Twin accused Kanye West of 
trying to plagiarize one of his songs for use on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy which um it pretty much forms the backbone of the song blank game so what did richard say about that he said kanye tried to fucking rip me off (laughs) and claimed that he'd written it and that they'd uh try to get away with not paying and Kanye West team said, it's not yours, it's ours, and we're not even asking you uh, anymore. In the end, uh, Richard James, Richard D. James, ended up with a writing credit on <clears throat> Kanye West's song. And what about um, covers? What are your favorite? There's been a lot of covers of this song. Like, a lot. Probably hundreds, um, but some of my favorites that I've come across is um, it's one that's played on a pedal steel guitar. We'll put the link up in the description. Oh yeah, good idea. <laughs> and Daniel Hope's Four Seasons version. very classical i like it it's nice yeah uh, as far as remixes um there's many not hundreds i don't think but there's a lot and uh here's a few of them there's the marty nasem's sleepless remix philip mosk's atm remix santiago nino remix atlas hood dj Pro's. A uh, Loomcore remix, the Soft Mar. DJ Fortify's fifteenth remix. The artisanal pencil sharpener David Reese mashed it up with Taylor Swift songs. You belong to me. You and belong with me. Um, to make you belong with Avril. And in two thousand eighteen, Aphex Twin released three different versions with different arrangements, and he speeds one with the title. <laughs> Avril 14th reverse music not audio and it's a recording of the song programmed to play backwards note for note in an echoey room uh, and SoundCloud user Granola um, gave that recording the Russian nesting doll treatment um, saying that she reversed the audio and added reverb um, and so it was kind of just became like inception of songs and that is the nominees for best performance. <laughs> uh, what's your personal experience with this? Well, speaking of Aphex Twin, I was just... Oh, uh, I just remembered... You know her? <laughs> I just remembered the... Um, <laughs> how we were talking about prepared piano on the last episode... And I f- missed the opportunity to talk about how I once played prepared piano myself. I was staying at a beach house, and they had a piano. <laughs> and I put all the cutlery on it, and it sounded really cool, but I never recorded it. I wish I did. But, it, yeah, that was fun. I know. So next time I come across the piano, I'm going to put stuff on it. Oh. What would you put on it, now that you know more about prepared piano? You could put anything on it. I know. You could put a bird <laughs> on it. No cheeseburgers, remember? Yes, hot dogs and cheeseburgers. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this is one of my favorite all-time piano compositions. Um, but it's also their most listened to song on Spotify, so... Yeah. I'm not the only one. For reals. So now we move on to our next track, Marie Antoinette by Big Frida. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Uh, This is track 10, K213 by Domenico Scarlatti.
Tell us about it. Well, Scalarti was an Italian composer who served royal Portuguese and Spanish families. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't with this music. No, I'm kidding. And this is a harpsichord piece. And it is played here by Patricia Mabi, just like on the last time we, the last song. And the K in the title of K213 <laughs> refers to um, American harpsichordist and musicologist Ralph Kirkpatrick. Yeah, and I think it sounds quite vampirical. Yeah. Or vampiric. <laughs> I don't know, you have to say it in a vampiric voice to figure it out. Say what? Say it, like, it sounds quite vampiric. It's <laughs> Italian. What are you doing? Because <laughs> I'm not an actor telling you to it. A one, a two, a three. <laughs> there. <laughs> that just sounded like a kind of slow Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Vampirical. How's it used um, in the film? Uh, how's it used in the film? Okay, she's just returned to the palace from her having her affair and her time at um, Petit Trianon. And she's back in kind of like her boring life there. Yeah. And she's kind of daydreaming about um, Count Bonferson. She looks a bit stir-crazy. Yeah, and she's daydreaming about him during the war. But I don't think it's her worried about him. I think it's more like, wow, he's out there having these adventures. Yeah. And I'm stuck here. and this Being rich. So in sad. This palace. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, she's at like, they're having like a salon session. And she's... <laughs> kind of all moping and sad and huh yeah and then she's like i want to be excused note to self marie antoinette in the salon <laughs> ai image all right okay this sounds like a nightmare um the thing she was in <laughs> this no she she's in this room and like some woman is singing with a bad voice and there's people playing yeah. talking shit and just kind of all pretending to be aristocratic even though like they're not all that yeah and she just can't take it anymore so she's like i can i be excused yeah i guess you know if that's all you know in life and it just becomes a pattern anything would become boring yeah but even more than that they were just it was just very superficial and she not stimulating enough for her she seemed to have like more she wanted more from life than these people did Mm. they were happy just like posing in court yeah uh what about covers of k13 213 well there's a cover by nathaniel earhart on guitar all right so let's move on to the next track track 11 Tomib, help us by Square Pusher. It needs to stay right. 26 minutes and 11 seconds. Scare me. I should be in charge. I should have been first lady. Okay. (laughs) Okay, this is a song, track 11. I already said that. I know, but... So, who is Square Pusher? Well, he's an English electronic artist on the Warp Records label, just like Aphex Twin. So, this comes from his 2004 album, Ultra Visitor. Um, And it's a kind of short lullaby-like piece um, that's played on electronic piano. What's the difference between an electronic piano and a synthesizer? Electronic, well, synthesizers, like, can make many different noises, and an electric piano is just like a piano, but it's... 
I see. Got maybe amps and stuff. I don't really but know. But they still have like effects. Like I've seen electronic pianos, I think, where you can have like a background beat, kind of like an organ while you're playing. No. Oh. Electric piano. It's like a piano. <clears throat> <laughs> Only electric. <laughs> so it, it can't. Got it. It's not like a synthesizer. But you can't prepare it. You, I don't know. I don't know the mechanics behind it. <laughs> okay. Why are you laughing at me? I'm not. This is. I wanted. I want to get a good understanding of this. All right. <clears throat> what does the name Tomib come from? It comes from a nickname Afix when gave him after his real name, Thomas Russell Jenkins. So. <sighs> also. Square Pusher has another song called Tomib, which was also in Sofia Coppola's film before this one, Lost in Translation. Wait, this song is called Tomib and that one's called Tomib? <laughs> this song is called Tomib Helpless. Oh, and that, and one's, that just one's just called Tomib. Tomib. So I think it's trying to say, Tommy, help us. Yeah. <laughs> so like my mom. <laughs> I'm talking to her about things. Okay, so um, I was diving into... I'm not going to touch that one. I was diving into EDM subgenres. Um, and there are many. Uh, and I saw that Afix Twin and Square Pusher are both um, kind of the the princes of IDM, which is a very cringy acronym for intelligent dance music. Yeah. I don't mind it as much as EDM for some reason. <clears throat> you, don't, I, you probably don't hear it brought up a lot. That's probably why. Yeah. <clears throat> that's right. Because you don't like <laughs> anything that's either. popular. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So if Square Pusher was on like America's Forget Top it. Forty, yeah, you could say goodbye. <laughs> um. Yeah, we don't really have to go through what IDM is, right? What is it? Intelligent dance music. Yeah, but what what does it mean? It's. Just involves a lot of experimentation and <clears throat> not many genre constraints. <laughs> I think it's like, like the like. I mean, you know, it came from like a like yeah, like rave dance music, and techno. but it's more chill, and so you have yeah. like EDM, but then you have and IDM, intelligent. I think it's just like because it's not so it's like dancing, ambient, breakbeat. It's kind of like you're either dancing or you're you're uh, a nerd. Yeah, and then it's more suited to like home listening than yeah dance that's club. A good one. Yeah. Yeah. So listen to it when you do homework. <laughs> no, well, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Cut that out. Um, how is it used in the film? Well, <clears throat> it plays the morning after her birthday party. And she wakes up hungover, and she soaks in a bath. Um, and it comes at a time in the movie where she's still kind of naive and carefree um, before she, you know, like things got heavy. Yeah. So it's like just kind of calm before Out the of storm. it from partying and... Okay, what about covers for this song? There is a cover of this song by Oliver Coates. Oh, did you like that? I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, what about track 12? Triste Pret Pal Flambeau. By Jean-Philippe. Ramo. Uh, did I? <laughs> now you say that because I'm sure I massacred it. <clears throat> Even though we're going to be in Paris. 
I don't shortly. Know. I can't pronounce these four French words. All right, well, let's practice. Okay. Triste sapé. Paillé? No. Pale. Ballets flambeau. By Jean-Philippe Rameau. Oui. Uh, this piece is from the 1737 French opera Castor et Pouilloux. Uh, RCT 32, Act 1, Scene 3, Art de Telar. <laughs> yeah, and in this particular Yeah. Scene, the opera <laughs> of Princess... Yeah, in this particular <laughs> scene... I did not say it like that. You'll hear in the playback, and you'll be like, oh, I did say it. Yeah. Okay. Um, in this particular scene of the opera, a princess named Talea is grieving and mourning the death of Castor, who is <clears throat> trying to defeat an enemy king. And he died. He died. Um, and this recording is from 1993, and it's sung by Agnes Mellon, or Mayon. Uh, conducted by William Christie and performed by Les Arts Florissant. Les Arts Florissant. <laughs> and how is this used in the film? While the song is playing, there's paintings of her um, with that kind of sex pistols god save the queen type of font saying like queen of debt and all this stuff pretty much just slandering her name and saying that she's running france into the ground and uh, i feel like that's a clever way to show the rising sentiment yeah it was really i thought it was just kind of one of those very sophia coppola touches where she finds a way to incorporate the aesthetic which is like new romantic new wave yeah into you know that that era of you know Marie Antoinette right um and that was a great way to do it like using that punk Johnny Rotten's God Save the Queen kind of writing on top of her picture yeah definitely yeah um and this is followed by a scene of her at the opera so in, earlier in the movie <clears throat> she's at the opera she loves it she claps People who never used to clap at the opera. It was considered um, trashy. Yeah. So she did it, and then everybody joins her in clapping, and she feels accepted, and etc. And then at this point in the movie, she does the same thing, but nobody, nobody claps with her. So she's fallen out of favor. Trash. <laughs> um, but I feel like that scene was so beautifully done, where... It's like, it's just, it conveys so well, like, this huge shift in the movie where she goes from being kind of beloved or at least, you know, people liked her to now being somebody that the people don't like. Yeah. Fallen out of favor, for sure. Um, anyway, that scene was so beautifully done. Um, it always makes me think that the film should have gotten more Oscars than yeah than the one it did for um, best costume. Did we already talk about her babies? No. <laughs> well, yeah, and then to top it off, like her third baby dies, and it, it basically shows how her life <clears throat> in the palace is declining and. She's losing support from the common people in the courts, and it, it leads up to her last days there. Yeah, and I feel like the, all that was done, like, in a really nice way where it wasn't heavy-handed. You know, they weren't, yeah. like, you know, it wasn't, like, Party of Five music playing. <laughs> <laughs> that acoustic guitar. <laughs> um, all right, what about... <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> and then it ends with that piano music. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, what about production on uh, this song? Well, 
the area in this opera is sung in the aria is sung in soprano with orchestral elements like strings and brass in the background just uh it's kind of relaxing yeah and uh agnes mellon's voice um in the song is beautiful it's like what i thought um people sounded like in heaven like when i was a kid you know being raised catholic it was like heaven's this place and there's people up there walking around god knows doing what just walking on clouds but this is how i thought they talked to each other and then like when, I figured when you got to heaven, you didn't just talk. You just like everyone sounded like. What do they sound like in hell? Uh, um, it's probably reversed. I bet in hell everyone's like singing like a fucking show tune. Like all Katy the time. Perry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And in heaven, you just get to like not have people bug you, hmm. unless you want them to. Well, as far as song meaning goes. The opening lines in this opera discuss the funeral of castors, say, like, salad dressings, <laughs> beautiful gowns. Who's even listening anymore? <laughs> I don't care. Okay, what about song meaning? <sighs> and um, it's actually sad dressings and pale torches. Um, day more dreadful than darkness. How do you say those lyrics? Triste prête par le flambeau, je plus à fait que les ténèbres. Okay. Live performances. This opera was performed in 2021 by Christophe Roset and Les Le Talents Lyriques. Um, in the same year, singer Rufus Rainwhite uh, put out <laughs> an album with the Amsterdam Amsterdam Sinfonietta, which includes this song. All right, we are on to track 13, Opus 36 by Dustin O'Halloran. Yeah, it's just another melancholic piano piece from Dustin. <laughs> it's nice. It's not bad. <laughs> um, reading about Dustin O'Halloran, because I really didn't, I thought it was actually a woman. Yeah, me too. Um, and then why. looked him up and realized, yeah, I don't know why either. Just the name Dustin just sounds like. Um, but he says he loves abstract art and minimalism. And one of his painting famous or favorite paintings are from Mark Rothko, which are these kind of large scale, simple, rectangular fields of color. Um, and so, yeah, he's like, that's the kind of art I like. And you can send, kind of feel it in the music. It's like um, it's like fancy without being fancy. Yeah. It was um this piece and the main theme for the TV series Transparent, I both really like. Cool. So, how is. <laughs> so, in the film, this is um, used when. It plays while Marie is saying goodbye to all her friends when they all have to vacate the palace because of the mobs and stuff. It's all a ruckus caused by the storming of the Bastille and the French Revolution. Yeah. She's sad. <laughs> yeah. She's realizing that it's everything she had, whether she loved it or tolerated sad. it, it's the life that she had built, and now she was having to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, it's this messed up fate. One of the um, most common comments on YouTube about this song are, Depression brought me here. I feel like we have to say something about depression now. <laughs> Don't do it. 
Don't do it. No. Um, Depression. Don't do it. <laughs> Depression. Um, things will get better. Yeah. I mean, they really will. <laughs> <laughs> like, like. Statistically, things will get <laughs> get better. Things do get better. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> All right. Like cars and. <laughs> okay. No, your life it gets better. Oh, I thought you were talking about like in general, like things. Oh, yeah, things get better in general, which shows that it's not just you. It's not an isolated incident. Yeah. There's a trend. Things are getting better. Things get better. Humans don't. We live longer. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> From, like, technically humans are improving. They live longer. They, you know, they don't have as many diseases, all that stuff. But Well, we've made it to the last track, track 14. <laughs> all cats are gray. All cats are gay. <laughs> all cats are gray. By the cure. Take a listen. This song actually comes from The Cure's third album from 1981, Faith. Faith. This song was inspired by the Garmin Goss novel by Mervyn Peake, uh, which is a gothic fantasy about castles and caves and stuff. I don't care for the song myself but I did sample the drums hmm. nice drums for what song this song <laughs> <laughs> no you sampled these drums for one of your songs yeah okay which song of yours this is an old song I don't remember the name. Okay. Um, how is this used in the film? Can you remember that? <laughs> yes, because this is the song that plays after she leaves um, Ver- Versailles <clears throat> because she's about to get beheaded and the film ends with the shot of... Marie's bedroom being torn apart as the people stormed and vandalized it. Then the credits roll, and then you leave and go home. Mimi's. <laughs> go Mimi's. <laughs> um, what about the song meaning? Well, Robert Smith said the song is about being trapped in caves and getting old, growing old. That is dark. Yeah. Um, there's also a 16th century proverb that says all cats are gray in the dark, which is, um, to suggest that the insignificance of appearances. Yeah. Like when you're at a bathhouse and they turn out the lights and then (laughs) you just like (laughs) start feeling someone touch you and you're like, well, all cats are gray, honey. (laughs) I don't know. Cut it out. I was wondering where you're going with that. That was good. No, don't like when you're at clubs, they turn out the lights. Yeah, it's weird. <clears throat> we saw some shady shit last time we were at a club, <laughs> and they turned out the lights. Remember that woman that was walking around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, <laughs> Lowell Tolhurst also contributed lyrics to this song um, about his mother. Yeah. In the caves, all cats are gray. In the caves, the texture coats my skin. Meaning not only are all cats gray, but even you feel like you're part Be- of... Becoming uh, a gray cat. Yeah. Yeah. That's like soul crushing. No, it's uplifting. Oh. It's both. 
Because you're not alone anymore, but you're also like oh, not yeah. independent anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about song meaning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to think about that another minute? Uh, no, I don't like it. Um, song meaning. Well, the lyric was written by Lal Tolhurst. Tolhurst as his mom was ill and she had lived through blackouts and aerial bombardments of the Second World War. And so she used the expression, all cats are gray, which describes how everything was indistinguishable in the dark. So all these things, these thoughts came back to her. Well, they came back to him. All right. All the thoughts came back to him as he anticipated his mom's death. (laughs) The melody of this song somehow feels appropriate um, for a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah, like the ones. Yeah, what about production? Uh, Well, in a review by... Ned Raggett, he said that it softly echoes and bounces from speaker to speaker as the song progresses. It's it's one of the band's best codifications of bleak mood as surprising close warmth musically and vocally. Um, and he continues, Robert Smith foregoes guitar for particularly low purring keyboards, uh, sometimes simply playing one note per bar and otherwise concentrating on minor keys. Yeah. <laughs> what about his singing? He does hurt singing, you know? <laughs> it, it seems to... That's what you do, right? Yeah. Okay. Well up from unknown depths and... It's cryptic tale of emotional loss suggesting itself via the striking the metaphor. <laughs> striking title metaphor. <laughs> you just That was like the most word jumble. Like you just put all the words in with a hat and picked them out <laughs> in random order. Oh, man. Okay, Mike Hedges, um, the producer, does a great job of kind of putting it all together and um, ending it on this with this soft five-note piano um, figure ebbing away into the mix. That's yeah. awesome. What about remixes and covers? Well, there's a cover of this song by Nova Vlag. Nova Vlag from 2016. In the caves, all cats are gray. Um, and it's also on an air compilation, uh, Late Night Tales. Um, and about that, air said, <laughs> We're big fans of The Cure. Oh, they have a French accent. Every generation... They have a, they're, from, they're from Versailles. Every generation has their band, and this was ours. I can't, no, I'm sorry. No. Stop, I'm not going to touch it. (laughs) Put it away. (laughs) All right. So. What about live versions of this song? Live recordings. Well, there's a recording of this song from 2011, and it's them performing it live at the London Royal Albert Hall. Have you been? No. <clears throat> Why is that funny? <laughs> Calling me poor? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been. Um, I like the 1981 Peel Session um, album version. That's awesome. <laughs> um, some trivia. Jesse, do you know anything about um, what happened to Marie Antoinette's head? <laughs> I heard it was mind-blowing. Oh, I didn't sit upright. I should have said, 
do you know, what do you know about Marie Antoinette's head? Yeah, I heard it was mind blowing. <laughs> um, so actually, the real head of Marie Antoinette was buried along with her body in the Madeline Cemetery, which is a mass grave without names. So they just she's kind of all mixed up with those bones, um, and they did that so that um, to avoid the possible like kind of public or private celebration of her grave. So now people just didn't know where she was. So. Well, do you think if we had a Ouija board, she can tell us about it? I think so. Why didn't we think about that? I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe we do a special episode on Ouija board. <clears throat> All right. Well. Do I, did I just sound like my mom? Back to Earth. Oh, do we know anything about Brian Antoinette's head? Yeah. It's in a vast cemetery, so people don't go party on it. Yeah. yeah. And we read that her children had it rough as well. <laughs> and with only her eldest daughter surviving the revolution, but living in exile, so like... Yeah, she didn't she, get to be queen. Or she didn't have any kids. It's a kind of a cursed bloodline. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now, now I know why Sofia Coppola ended it where she did. It was like, it wasn't all lost yet. Yeah. But also, like, that wasn't the end. Like, she suffered a lot more after that, so. So I hope there's no one out there, like, claiming, like, I'm part of the Marie Antoinette bloodline. It's like, bitch, <laughs> they all died. <laughs> God. <clears throat> all right, well, on that note, that is the end of Marie Antoinette. <laughs> Um, this podcast series and this two uh, two record set um, what will we discuss next episode I'm thinking we'll go um, to Bjork's post post haste yep happy All right, new year thank you everyone <laughs> happy new year Thanksgiving Christmas holidays and <laughs> And then happy 2024. Yeah. We're in it. We're living it. We're going through it. It's spring. It's summer. We had a lot it of fun. is the moment. It's fall. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's New Year's again, 2024. It's an icon. It's a legend. And it's the moment. 